Pastor John, thank you so much for your prayers, and uh, it's a great opportunity to be together in God's presence. Do you know, um, uh, some members of our family uh, went up to London uh, about 18 months ago to see Abba, but they didn't really see Abba, do you know why? It's Abba Voyage, have you heard of this? It's a show in London. and uh, it looks like the real thing, doesn't it? It does like the, look like the real thing, so I'm told. Uh, but it's, it's digitally produced. It, they are digital avatars of the band members of ABBA, but made to look like, yep, this is the real thing. But it's not the real thing. Has anybody been to ABBA Voyage? Yeah? Whoa. And uh, it's uh, not something I would go to myself, but... <laughs> But there you go. And uh, or have you heard an ABBA tribute band? That, that'll do. That'll do if you haven't been to ABBA. Now I wonder, did anyone back in the day actually see the real ABBA? Did you see them live? Did anyone see them live? I'm not sure you did. You know. Um, yeah. Nobody. Nobody actually saw ABBA. What would it have been like to see the real thing? Would it have been good? So, do you know, as we read the Gospels, as we look at the, the accounts, we think, what would it have been like to be there? To actually see Jesus feed the 5,000? What would our reaction have been if we'd heard him preach the Sermon on the Mount? If we'd been in the crowd at the cross, what would it actually have been like? And we, we could think, if only I'd been there. And of course, the Gospels are taken from eyewitness accounts. Uh, events that they saw themselves. Now you look through the scope of history and you think of all the billions of people on planet Earth today and all throughout history. Really, it's only a tiny, tiny fraction A few thousand who saw Jesus physically and in the flesh. So it seems a bit unfair that they would have an advantage over us. And yet, Jesus says, actually, it's to your advantage that I'm not going to be here anymore. Actually, he's with, physically with his disciples and the, uh, those around for a very short period of time really and at, towards the end of the gospels he starts saying I'm going to leave, I'm going to go he tells them about his death they don't understand it at the time, he says I must die, I must, must suffer on behalf of the human race but actually it's for your advantage that this is going to happen and in John chapter 16 verse 7 he says this very truly it's for your good, for your advantage, to your benefit, that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now the advocate is a name for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, actually, it's going to be even better 
when I've gone physically because my spirit will be with you. There were times in the gospel stories where Jesus disappeared. And people were like, where's he gone? And all the crowds went looking for him. Master, master, we've been looking for you everywhere. And he'd gone off to pray and so on. And at those times, he was not with them. But Jesus says, it's better that I go because once the advocate comes, or you could call him the counsellor, or the comforter, once he comes, actually, through him, I will be with you always. At all times, in all places, wherever you go. So we are actually better off than those eyewitnesses of Jesus himself. It might feel like we've got the fake Abba. <laughs> or we, we can read about the stories in the Bible. We can watch you know, a TV program or a film portrayal of Jesus. But actually, what we have is better because we have him with us. All the time. Last few weeks we've been there. Uh, well, we, we, last week we had uh, Henny and Werner speaking to us about the words we speak and, and listening to those words and listening to God and stuff. And on the other Sundays this, this month we've been thinking about a phrase that comes at the end of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians. I wonder if we could pop the words on the screen, please, uh, Tracy. Uh, and these phrase it's a it's a blessing it's a it's a it's a thing that uh that we in church sometimes speak over one another and um it's uh it's a great thing to say together i read this week someone's describing this as the most powerful theological statement by the apostle paul in one verse because it kind of says it all and i'm wondering with the words on the screen Can we uh, say this together, please? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. So, um, at the start of the month, we looked at the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His grace... Grace of God shown to us in Jesus who uh, died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven, that we might be made right with God. Grace, undeserved favour poured out to us through Jesus. And then we thought about God's love. We thought about how God loves us like a father loves his children. Or as a husband loves his wife. And even if the wife is unfaithful, God is still faithful to his spouse. And this week we think about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. This is a Trinitarian blessing. Do you know God is Trinity? You won't find that word in the Bible, but it is an accurate Christian description of who God is. Uh, I may have mentioned this already, but you know when I think, have I mentioned that in a sermon before? I think, well, if I can't remember, nobody else will remember. <laughs> so there you go. So I think I did mention this, but there's a book uh, came out 
relatively recently by uh, an American author called Francis Chan, and it's called Forgotten God. And uh, in it, the subtitle is something like um, Reversing the Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit in the Church Today. And he actually majors on that verse that I quoted from John chapter 16 about how it's to our advantage that Jesus has gone and the Holy Spirit is with us. Because if that's really true, are we living in the light of it? Often we've overlooked the Holy Spirit. And yet the biblical Christian understanding of God is that he is three persons in, in one God. He's Trinity. Now, I wonder if you find sometimes the Holy Spirit hard to relate to. What was the, the name that he had before we, we changed it? We used to call him Holy Ghost. Does anyone like ghosts? Yeah. <laughs> ghosts are to be afraid of, aren't they? Oh, no, I don't want a ghost. Can you relate to ghosts? Or Ghostbusters? And, uh, you know, of course we can relate to Jesus in that he's became word made, he's the Word made flesh. He became a human being. He breathed there, he ate food, he joked around, he, he lived life among human beings. So, so we find Jesus relatable. If we describe God as our Father, we can say, okay, we've got, a, we've got a connection point there. But if we describe God as Spirit, we think, well, I find that hard to connect with. How do you connect with a Spirit? And the Bible itself uses metaphors to describe the Spirit. Uh, we sang at the, at the start, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And there's references to, to wind and there's references to fire. If you think about the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came like a rushing wind and fire descended on people's heads. And then Jesus himself talks about living water to describe the Holy Spirit. These are metaphors to describe the Spirit. But you can't have fellowship with a metaphor. And you can't have fellowship with an abstract force. You can only have fellowship with a person. Now what is fellowship? Let's just think about that for a moment. Um, The Greek word is koinonia. It's a very rich word. It's a very beautiful word. And it means connection. It means real relationship. It means a joining in with. It means participation. It means communion. We have, in this church, we've got like midweek groups. And they sometimes get called house groups or home groups. And sometimes they get called fellowship groups. And uh, some churches call them life groups or cell groups. Uh, But basically, they're all much of a muchness. You you meet together in in a smaller group than we are now. And you pray together. You read the Bible together. You discuss the Bible together. And um, you will share together. But if you turn up to a, to a home group, fellowship group, 
and you don't say anything. It's kind of not possible. Now, I know sometimes some of us are very quiet. Okay, I get that. But not necessarily possible to have profound fellowship. If in a fellowship group, one person does all the talking, it's not a real fellowship. For there to be fellowship, there has to be a willingness on both sides, two parties at least, to share together. And more than just, how are you? I'm fine. We've got to be willing to say, actually, this is what's really going on for me. This is what I'm genuinely experiencing. Now, I know we need to feel safe in order to do that. We need to be a safe environment. But if we're just playing the game and ticking the boxes and say, what is this answer to this question? Oh, it's Jesus. Then that's not real fellowship. Fellowship is a connection. And it's going deeper. It's real relationship. And it can only happen when both parties are willing for that to take place. We can pretend. We can be fake like fake Abba. But God wants us to be real. To have real fellowship. Now you can't have fellowship with a force, but you can have fellowship with a person. And the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, uh, art. I want to just think about art for a minute. Um, God has been portrayed in art over the centuries. And in the Western world, often what happens is... Uh, if, if, if someone's done a painting of, 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 or portrayal, imagine portrayal of God, they'll, they'll, they'll paint God the Father as big and strong, powerful, maybe quite old with a grey beard. Jesus will be portrayed as uh, perhaps you know, skinny and somewhat emaciated and probably uh, on a cross. Huh? Blonde and blue-eyed. Blonde and blue-eyed. Yes, of course he was. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit will be portrayed as a dove, right? And that is a, a Western tradition. Now, we're part of a, the Protestant tradition, and it's off the back of old Henry VIII, who decided, to, you know, with his marital situation, he wanted to part with Rome. And, and, uh, and then so then what we did was we, we tore down the images because we said, well, these are all idolatry, and some of them for sure were, but we got rid of a lot of Christian art in the process. Now, I want to show you a picture and I have shown this before. I do remember years ago showing this. I put it on the screen. And very helpfully, I've got it much smaller today. Uh, sorry, it's not on the screen. But this is from the Orthodox Church tradition. Now, um, the Orthodox Church is the Eastern Church. And this is what's called an icon. Now, before anybody gets panicky, we're not, um, we don't worship the icon. But these are used in worship in the Orthodox. Oh, there's a nice big picture of me. That's what's helpful, isn't it? But this is an icon. And uh, it's, it has two meanings. So the first meaning is, uh, it's a portrayal of the three visitors who came to Abraham in Genesis chapter th- uh, 18. They visited Abraham, and clearly, if you read that passage, this visitor is the Lord. Uh, and then a Christian, if you like, spin on that, is that, well, this is the Trinity. So then this icon is a portrayal of the Trinity, it's known as the Rublev icon. It's a famous portrayal. Now, I know it's not that clear from where you're sitting, but I'll pass it around later. But who is the Father? Who is Jesus? And who is the Holy Spirit? 
Answer, we don't know. Not obvious. And who's in charge here? You're not. (laughs) Actually, they're all bowing to one another. There's a mutual submission with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. It's not obvious. What is obvious is that there's fellowship between them. There's connection between them. There's relationship with between them. There they are sitting at a table. There's also a welcome. There's a space right here for you and me to come and have fellowship with them. Now, I'm not saying that this is what God looks like, all right? Nobody's saying that. And I know this is from a different tradition to our own. Uh, But actually, it can help us to get away from depersonalizing the Holy Spirit. Because He is God. Do you know, the uh, Nicene Creed is a statement of faith, if you like, that all the universal church subscribe to. And many churches repeat the Nicene Creed every week. We don't. But in it, it says, we believe in the Holy Spirit. And who is he? He's the Lord, the giver of life. Uh, He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. The Holy Spirit is worshipped and glorified with the Father, with the Son. Um, He's the Lord. Now, if I say to you, who's the Lord? You'd probably say, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Lord, right? Okay, this is clearly getting a little bit boring for you. I do apologize. So, in my inner me, I'm very excited about this, but maybe, I'm, maybe it's just dropping down here and I'm not connecting properly. I do apologize. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited. Just pretend. Just pretend. Okay, so Jesus is Lord. Am I right? Yes. Thank you. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> Love you, really. Um, he is Lord. But it's also true to say, Holy Spirit, you are Lord. And in the same letter as 2 Corinthians, the earlier in the, in the letter, Paul says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come off it. <laughs> Sorry, that would just be really cheap, wouldn't it? The Lord is the Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are Lord. Do we think of the Holy Spirit as Lord? When I pray, Lord, am I praying to the Holy Spirit? Am I aware of that? Now, it's biblical to pray to the Holy Spirit. It's biblical because he's the Lord. And with the Father and the Son, he's worshipped and glorified. Now, some churches talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, But often, they kind of go straight in to talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's like, if you say the word Holy Spirit, oh, well, you mean prophecy. You mean speaking in tongues. You mean uh, words of knowledge. Those things are a byproduct of a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but they're not the Holy Spirit himself. (laughs) Other churches major because... and this is more where they're at, they're major on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Um, I feel like you're a more fruitful part of the church. That's why I walked over here. (laughs) They're more gifted, but you're more fruitful. 
Um, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in Galatians chapter 5, does anybody know parts of the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Anyone shout that out? Love. Patience. Thank you. Patience, my darling. Peace. Joy, gentleness, kindness, self-control, Gail. Yeah. Um, and that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? The gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And yet, we don't have fellowship with gifts, we don't have fellowship with fruit, we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The connecting word, fellowship of the Holy Spirit in that blessing, it's one of those interchangeable words, and yes, it can mean fellowship with the Holy Spirit as well. If I come to your fellowship group, am I willing to open up? God comes to your fellowship group and guess what? He's willing to open up. Because there is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There is connection with God. That picture shows that God is saying, come. Come and be with me. Come and join in. Come, because there's a welcome in my presence. Have fellowship with me. Now we, as believers in Christ, as disciples of Jesus, have the incredible uh, privilege of fellowship with one another. I think there's nothing like it. You know, you can, you can join other interest groups and do hobbies uh, and connect with people because you share similar passions, and that's absolutely brilliant as well. But there's nothing like the connection that we can have with other believers. And it's not just because we're kind of subscribed to the same thing. We're a very varied bunch, but we share because we all have the Holy Spirit in us. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He's already there. He's already in you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, within me. He's already there. So when we say, come Holy Spirit, when we say, welcome Holy Spirit... He's already there, but we're opening ourselves up to him. To the realisation that, yes, he's already in me, he's already with me. At the start of the year, I prayed. And, uh, you know, when you're in a, it's sort of my role in the church, you sort of got this pressure to feel like you know what you're doing. And uh, the truth is, nobody, we don't, nobody do. That's the honest truth. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes people say, yeah, so what's the plan with the church? Where's the trajectory? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So I, I, at the start of the year, I said, God, what, what is on your heart for me? What might be on your heart for the church? I felt, I really did feel God say two words to me. And those two words were, Holy Spirit. And I, okay, Lord, is that it? Yep, <laughs> that's it. As Werner was saying last week, we live in a very wordy world. 
Lots of words around. And sometimes I find when God speaks, he doesn't say very much. But what he does say is very important. And he purposefully doesn't say very much in order to slow me down. I want more, but no, no, no. Stop right there. Any of us try to run before we can walk? We all try to do that sometimes. Oh, any of us want to know what's going on before we're there? Before we've got there? We want to know the plan. We want to see it all. Lord, I, I, I want to know what's... God doesn't tell us. So God just said to me, Holy Spirit. Okay? So, that's where I'm at. Now, sometimes people do get nervous. They say, well, we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. What about Jesus? The thing is, if we want to have fellowship with Jesus, we only have fellowship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. If we want to know God as Father, that's utterly impossible, but for the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is fellowship with Jesus. Because the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And he leads us into all truth, and he reminds us of everything that Jesus has taught us. So if you want to know Jesus, you have to know the Holy Spirit. If you want to know God as Father, and I recommend that, (laughs) you have to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So, going to pray right now, and I I want you uh, with me to... Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Maybe like you've never done before. Now, some of us, we may have had powerful encounters with God in the past. And maybe, if we're honest, they're kind of ancient history. But don't live on yesterday's experiences. Some of us assume that when God speaks, he does this kind of thing. This is how God encounters me. But don't put God in a box. Sometimes we think that there has to be a physical manifestation, but there doesn't. Sometimes we think, if there's a physical manifestation, I don't want to go there. (laughs) But don't put God in a box. Sometimes People think we want a visitation from God. And it's a bit of a flash in the pan type Christianity. Oh, what a great service that was. But now we've moved on and we're back to ordinary life. And where is God anyway? I don't think that's God's style. (laughs) What God wants is to say, I'm with you, and I'm with you, and I'm with you, and I'm just as much with you on Monday as you go to work, on Tuesday, as uh, Thursday as you're in the Knit and Natter group in Kingdom Cafe as some of us are. Anybody want to join? You're very welcome. Or whatever you're doing, you're going to Tesco, whatever, wherever we go, God is still up for fellowship with us. There's no, oh, we walk out of the door and suddenly we're back in the secular world. It's all God's world and the Holy Spirit fills the earth. So wherever we go, we can't run, we can't flee from his spirit, can we? We can, well, we can run. We can try and run, but God will, God's a faster runner than us. <laughs> so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you.
And, you know, if you're the kind of person where a physical gesture like putting your hands out would be helpful to you, then please do. If you'd like to stand up, please do. If you'd like to remain seated, please do. And we're just going to spend a... It'll feel like ages, but it really won't be more than just, I don't know, just a few minutes. Um, Waiting. Remember what we're saying. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Paul's prayer at least, was that that would be our lived reality. It's not just a nice phrase we say to one another. It's to be our lived reality, together as a fellowship, together as a church, but also as individuals. So Lord, Holy Spirit, we say, come. One of the most obvious things about the Holy Spirit, we haven't talked about it yet, is that He is holy. Clue is in the name. And there may be things in our lives where we're feeling, well, Lord, I'm, I'm not holy. And as we have this privilege of an encounter with the Holy Spirit, Maybe this is the time to confess our sins, to repent. Now, repentance means turning away. It means having a change from things that we just know are unholy. And yet, once we've done that, God wants us to proceed into the Holy of Holies. And that way has been paved for us by Jesus, our great high priest. When he died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. It was a day like no other. It was a revolutionary day. And the curtain was torn forever because the way to God was made open. But then Jesus said, after he rose from the dead, he said, wait, wait in Jerusalem for power from on high. And I believe the posture of waiting is still a good posture for us. He's come, he's with us. But we forget that sometimes. We don't need to go searching all over, he's right here. But as we confess, as we repent, we know that we, we are sharing in the holiness of God. We become participants in his holiness. It rubs off on us. We become more and more like his true holy people. 
So don't write yourself off. Don't, please don't disqualify yourself. Don't say, well, it's fine for everybody else, but not for me. It is for you. Come. He loves you. He's holy, but he's also merciful and humble of heart. So step into God. Step into his holiness this morning. We're going to sing an old hymn. We think about his holiness. We think about God as Trinity. Uh, and then the band will lead us into another song after that. Um, which, which then says, there is more. And believe me, there is more. We never get to the end of God. There's so much more. So why don't we stand as we sing, holy, holy, holy. Within. Um, but you know, um, it, God wants that. It's, it's not just a tiny little candle. It is a consuming fire. And the Lord is, maybe we just want to, that the fan into flame more and if you're in that place right now I encourage you to stay in that place and you don't even have to stay where you are you don't have to get out but just rest in God's presence because there is more and I just speak this over all of us myself included Holy Spirit Lord have your way May the fire burn brighter and, and hotter, burning out all impurities, overwhelming us. Come, rushing wind, blow in our mist. And people are just invited to receive. Receive Jesus at the end of John's Gospel. He says to us, receive. Breeze on them, receive. The Holy Spirit says, receive right now a fresh, fresh fire, fresh power, fresh winds. His presence. And if that's a little bit scary, know that He's good, that He's holy, He is perfect in all His ways. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Because there is more. There must be more than this. And there is, trust me. Holy Spirit. Bless you, Lord. I thank you that you're equipping your people for works of service. To better follow Jesus in the workplace, in uh, everyday lives and family among friends Lord you have a passion for every detail of our lives that we know you in it all let's keep pressing in keep pressing into God Lord more Lord more Holy Spirit and we know that he's a He's not a forceful God, but 
let yourself be swept off your feet. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Consuming fire, fan into judgment in this place there's no condemnation in this place that is banned from his presence <laughs> that'd be amazing come on Chris stop me talking um, there's another uh, picture in the Bible of the work of the Holy Spirit not only fire but the water of life I don't know if you've made um, some New Year's resolutions which you've already broken course I have uh, uh, but one of my new year's res resolutions will be to be more patient but you know the vine is what's important not the fruit you know sometimes we say I want patience it's not the fruit that's important all the gifts it's being in the vine so if you feel you need more patience get in the vine if you wow. need anything from God, get in the vine. Clear the channel out so the sap of the vine will work a change in you. Amen. Bless you, Chris. Here we go. If you want to sit down, please feel free. If you want to remain standing, please do. It's fine. Whatever. No, if you're anything like me, um, but it can be really easy just to sort of skate along the surface quite a lot, just whether it's busy or just really not delving deep. Um, and I was thinking of it like ice, which is a bit of a weird human analogy because it's scary, isn't it, if the ice cracks. And so the faster you move, the less likely it is to crack beneath you. But if we think about him as water, um, I think about in the roar of the waterfall, deep calls to deep. And I've been thinking about the ice and about resting in him and standing still and um, being in him. And Chris just talked about patience. And if we think about the ice and the water is not dangerous, but as him, then when you stand still, it's in his, I think he's inviting us to be still and to let the ice, the warmth of his presence melt through the ice. And if you're still, the ice will melt beneath you if you stand still in him. There isn't anything you need to go and do to be in his presence. There isn't anything you've got to achieve or have not done or have... There's nothing that you need more than where you're at right now to be in his presence. And as the water, as the ice melts beneath you, deep will call to deep. And the ice doesn't need to come back because even Niagara Falls in the deep depths of winter when there's ice everywhere, the water keeps moving. 
there is a constance, a continuity of there being deeper and deeper and deeper presence of him in you and you in him. Because his spirit calls to your spirit and you don't need to be scared and you don't need to be nervous or ashamed because his spirit is calling to your spirit. Bless you. Go, Rob. Right, Rob's coming. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether you've uh, been to a beach recently. Deb and I went um, to uh, Cornwall in May, and I was amazed at all these piles of rocks, like uh, just piled on top of each other, where people just got loads of pebbles. Um, together, I've um, had a, a picture of um, of a pile of um, polished pebbles on a sandy beach and uh, they were piled upon one upon the other they're all different sizes and different shapes there's no hierarchy in it it wasn't the biggest stones at the bottom and the smallest ones at top so that the pile was a little bit but with within perfect balance somebody has put those piles in the beach that Deborah and I saw and I believe that God has placed you in that stack in perfect position, in perfect harmony, in perfect balance. And they're all connected. And they're in balance. So if you feel, you think, do I belong here? Well, God has placed you within that stack, within that pile. You are connected because God has placed you here. And you are connected because you, you touch another stone. And you're touched by another stone. So just relax in that balance that you are in the place that God has placed you to be. And you are connected. And that connection is that touch. That connection is that Holy Spirit that flows through you. So much, that's great.